This is the Public News Service Daily Newscast, March 22, 2022. I'm Tramel Gomes. Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court confirmation hearing is expected to be tough today. Senators laid out their battle lines yesterday after applauding the nation's historic first nomination of a black woman. China says it's investigating the cause of the jetliner that crashed in Guangxi with 132 on board. The Boeing 737 model is widely used around the world. Closer to home, the new federal infrastructure law provides billions to improve bridges, roads, and other public works. But states have to scramble to get the funding. Mike Moen looks at Minnesota. Last fall, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure law was approved, with Minnesota in line to receive roughly $7 billion over five years. That includes funding for power grid modernization and expansion of electric public transit. Kevin Lee with the State Commerce Department says a significant portion of the funds come in the form of competitive grants, meaning Minnesota has to be prepared. We have to seize that opportunity ourselves. It's not an allotment that will just come our way no matter what. The department, along with clean energy advocates, call on the legislature to approve an initial fund of $20 million for matching climate grants. Congress's bipartisan bill to shore up the U.S. Postal Service needs only President Biden's signature. It ends a burdensome pension funding requirement no other federal agency or commercial delivery company had to meet. Lily Bolke has more. Officials say eliminating the pre-funding requirement would open up more than $5 billion per year. Roscoe Woods with the Michigan Postal Workers Union says the money will bring major opportunities to the agency. It was basically rigged us to just fail every year and to see that pre-funding eliminated and that debt waived is an amazing day for the Postal Service. No longer have that hanging over our heads. Wisconsin's legislature has wrapped up its standard session for the year, but Democrats are floating symbolic support for a new economic justice bill of rights. Jonah Chester reports. Among other things, the resolution holds that folks are entitled to the right to unionize and access affordable health care and housing. It's non-binding and essentially an affirmation of support for those principles. But Rabbi Bonnie Margulis with Wisconsin Faith Voices for Justice says the COVID-19 pandemic exposed deep economic inequities, and the resolution could be a first step towards addressing those disparities. Hers is one of several social justice organizations who are supporting the measure. As we have seen low income and communities of color bear the brunt of COVID, we've had to acknowledge that disparities in health outcomes are directly linked to lack of access to good paying jobs, health insurance, safe, affordable housing, clean air, and clean water. This is PNS. Youth crime dropped dramatically in the last 30 years. California is slowly closing its state youth detention facilities, but almost a quarter million American children were incarcerated in 2019, according to new research from The Sentencing Project. Here's Suzanne Potter. The report found that the kids are overwhelmingly being detained for low-level offenses and that the disruption to their schooling and home life actually makes them more likely to be rearrested in the future. Connecticut law requires people who have been in prison to repay the state for the cost of their incarceration. Now the ACLU is suing the governor's and attorney general's offices, saying the state's prison debt law violates the U.S. Constitution. Here's Emily Scott with details. 
The state's set cost is currently $249 a day, or more than $90,000 per year, according to the complaint. Dan Barrett of the ACLU of Connecticut says that's an exorbitant amount of money for a single year of incarceration and disproportionately impacts Black and Latino communities. We're manufacturing yet another barrier for people to build wealth to accumulate things like real property. Nationwide, fentanyl overdose is the leading cause of death among Americans aged 18 to 45. To reduce harm, New Mexico has joined the movement to decriminalize fentanyl testing strips. This from Roz Brown. Illegal drugs such as cocaine often are contaminated with fentanyl and unknowingly purchased by users. That lack of knowledge can be deadly. New Mexico Public Health Association President Shelley Manlev says passage of a decriminalization bill by lawmakers this year could help reduce the overdose crisis. New Mexico, along with so many other states, has seen a huge increase in overdose deaths related to fentanyl. And fentanyl test strips have been illegal. They've been considered drug paraphernalia. It turns out frequent vaping is tied to increased risk of diabetes. Last week, President Joe Biden signed legislation that allows the FDA to regulate synthetic nicotine. More from Nadia Ramlagan. E-cigarettes or vapes typically contain as much or more nicotine than traditional cigarettes. But until now, manufacturers have skirted government regulations by using a synthetic version of the chemical. Dr. Scott Bickle at the University of Louisville School of Medicine explains the nicotine and other toxic substances found in vape products can have substantial health consequences. It can lead to impulsivity, difficulties with uh, brain development and so on. And then certainly the respiratory consequences of starting those things early can't be overstated. According to the CDC, e-cigarette sales hit a record high last June, with more than 22 million units sold nationwide. This is Tremel Gomes for Public News Service. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.